This episode of the Italian Wine Podcast is brought to you by the new book, Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories. Researchers Attilio Scienza and Serena Mazio explore the origin and ancestry of European grape varieties in a tale of migration, conquest, exploration, and cross-cultural exchange. Hardback available on Amazon in Europe, Kindle version available worldwide. Find out more at italianwinebook.com. Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Wood. And my guest today is Annette Scarf, Master of Wine. Sorry, (laughs) right in there. When did you become an MW then? In 2012. I mean, it was a bit of a career change for me, actually. Uh, I was used to be in banking. That's what took me to Singapore 23 years ago. And then I'd always had a love of wine. When I lived in the UK before, I'd, I'd worked with a lot of people running sort of very low-key consumer tastings. I set up a very small distribution company, but kind of always felt that I had to keep working in the big corporate world to earn the money and then I was always going to retire into something that I really loved and that's what I've done. Right, when you say retirement, you're not like, it's not like you're 450 years old though, is it? No, we're not going to no ask you I'm, not, I'm not 450 you know, you're years late 30s, old. So you've so crammed a lot in. So. I've, cr- I've crammed a lot in, thank you very much Monty. <laughs> so yes, that's right, so I've lived in Singapore, you know, nearly all my life, obviously, <laughs> 23 years there. So, no, I've certainly not retired and I've got no intentions of retiring, but I have retired from that corporate life, sort of chasing around pieces of paper. And So when you say the corporate of, life, what actually specifically were you, were you doing? I was a chief financial officer of a major international bank and then I ran the small business unit of the, of the bank as well. So, so from Goliath to David. So, <laughs> something like that. But really, you know, I always wanted to follow my love of wine and that's what I did. Did that come from you know the classic you know boozy lunches with the boys you know glass of wine after work you had a good day you know you're going to rather than having the piat door you're going to splash out on a brunello or something like that was it like that or was it? No it wasn't like that at all. You don't all. seem like a hellraiser. It, no it came from the very first day of university I'd been quite privileged as a child to be able to enjoy a glass of wine with some. So you're breastfed with what? Was it red or white? Uh, red or white, yeah. Okay, well, usually good. white, actually. Okay. But, but when I first went to university, then I was thinking, I went to this thing called the Union Bar on my very first day. That's drunk, the students, that's the... That was the students' bar in Reading University and drunk a glass of what was supposedly wine and it's still to this day the most unlike sort of thing that I could ever associate with wine and I thought oh my goodness how can I ever be here for three years if that's all there is to offer was it really bad then it was really bad it was very bad it was you don't remember you don't remember what it was I do it was a Bulgarian Cabernet nothing wrong with Bulgarian Cabernet they're actually very good so I've got to be careful about that but it was an oxidized one that had probably been open for about two weeks in the bottom of the bar kept at 25 degrees so very rancio. And so, uh, so that was that. So from the student union, you discovered wine. So then I decided that weekends, instead of writing essays on economics and accounting, 
it will be much more interesting to jump in my car and go over to Champagne and buy grower champagnes or go to the Loire and fill up big plastic boxes with wine and then bring it back to my university halls for bottling. Really? Is that what you did? Yes. So you needed to know a little bit about microbiology then. You don't, you don't just put any old cork in there and hope it doesn't start re-fermenting. Well, you could buy those Boots bottling kits in the days. Boots which, is uh, a, like a high street chemist where you could yeah, wine making You can buy wine making kits. And so that really started my, my love of wine. And then... Did you really did you actually buy one of those wine making kits and make wine? Yeah, not what? make wine, but I'd bottled wine that I'd bought. Oh, uh, okay, because I got those kits and I actually made wine. Yeah. And that's where it started for me. Oh, boots, really? Yeah, yeah. So boot, we got Boots and got Boots is like this high street. It's boots like is a the chemist. Thing, yeah. Okay. So, and then uh, next step? Next step was really just the corporate world for a number of years where I was, you know, travelling around. I moved to Singapore. I was responsible for nine countries, travelled around Asia. But I just knew that I really just wanted to get back into this love of, of wine. So all my holidays were spent going to wine regions. Really all of my spare time was spent reading about wine, doing things about wine. So then I decided it was a fortunate time for me. I had the opportunity, well, a fortunate time in many senses. The bank wanted me after the financial crisis to move towards to South Africa and I took the opportunity then to basically say I would rather leave and do my own thing. Um, that was it then? That was it. And so no regrets. the rest is history. So I never dreamt of being a master of wine. I You'd didn't. heard of what they were though, I guess. I don't think I even really had actually. I just knew that in Singapore, we live in a place where new, where pieces of paper are really important. I mean, if you've got a basket weaving certificate you have to show a piece of paper for it. And so I knew that if I was going to do anything in the world of wine, I'd have to get some form of qualification. So I started on WSET, level three, and then did my diploma. And then I met these creatures called the Masters of Wine. And I thought, who are they? And, you know, they seem like normal people, as we are. And I thought, very deceptive, those I, thought, <laughs> I thought, I want to be one of those. And so my friends thought I was crazy because I was meant to be leaving that sort of very demanding banking world to do something that was a bit more pleasurable. And I was going to embark on one of the most difficult wine qualifications in the world. And so that's what I did. Did you and pass it first time or anything? No, I didn't pass it first time. The tasting was fine. I struggled with my theory, actually. Um, but I did get through it. But I passed my dissertation first time and won the prize for that. Which so, was on? Uh, Ribera del Duero. So it's a Spanish wine, it. Spanish wine region. Everybody knows Rioja. It's very close to Rioja. The same grape, but less well known. Well, well known by some people, like... Vega Sicilia is known, but people don't always link Vega, Vega Sicilia to Ribera del Duero, but that's where they are. We'll get right back to the Italian Wine Podcast after a quick reminder that this episode is made possible by the book Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories, available on Amazon in Europe and Kindle Worldwide. So how's your knowledge of Italian wine? My knowledge of Italian wine is, is I, I'd like to say, pretty good. I love Italian wines. Favourite regions? I, I work... 
all over actually i really i like everything from you're italian from, then you're not going to narrow down favor one region I i'm like not going to favor down one region because i work a lot with with italian wines actually i work with an importer in singapore who's a specialist in italian wines we're talking about fine um, wines aren't we or um well, not, I mean, to be honest, not just fine wine, actually, just a lot of more everyday wines so that can be drunk with the Chinese cuisine that we have in Singapore. So obviously the fine wines as well, but not certainly not just all of the fine wines, not just all of the Barolo, Super Tuscans, etc. It's a lot of everyday drinking wines as Go well. On, chuck some names at me, like Verdicchio or... Yeah, so Verdicchio. Sicilia um, wines. So, um, Sicilia wines definitely are becoming quite quite popular in Singapore, Etna Rosso, um, because, you know, the wines, they're quite versatile, they're fruity, which is what the Asian palate likes, but they've got, you know, a really nice sense of structure, they go well with our food in there. We drink a lot more reds in uh, Singapore than we do white, which is kind of crazy. It is, it's quite, I mean, I've never been there, but hot and humid. It's very hot and humid, the temperature... In wine terms, our diurnal temperature is about five degrees all year round. So we go from 35 in the day to 30 at night. Maybe on a cold January, we might drop down to 26, 27. And then there's a government warning because it's so cold. So it's, which is quite hilarious, really, if you've come from the UK like I have. But people do like a lot of red wines more. Prosecco has was a late starter in Singapore, and that's taken off quite well now. I mean, year-on-year growth, that's shown a 30% growth over over the last year. So it's really becoming quite a big category there. And Is that taking, when you're saying about the climate's hot? So obviously nothing better than having a nice, cool Prosecco. Well, it's there's a big brunch culture in Singapore, which has always been dominated by the champagne houses, and I think the the younger drinkers who are not willing to pay quite as much for their for their beverages are really starting to like the the you know the prosecco side and the and the enjoying that with a Sunday brunch. It's quite typical for a group of friends to go out. And they have, we can't really advertise them as such in the UK, but in Singapore, they still advertise the bottomless brunches and you pay a fixed amount and the glass just never gets empty. So the bottomless brunch, I mean, we need, what, what is the food on the table to go with that, that particular oh, abs- one? Absolutely everything um, from showcasing all of our cuisines to from sort of Chinese, Japanese, Thai to much more Western food on there. Um, some specialise in Italian food. It's, there would usually be 12, 13 food counters there, each showing five or six or seven different regions from Asia and different Western foods as well. So lots of seafood as well. So they're very good. You should go to Singapore and try one. Yeah, well, you just describing all that food. I mean, you're... you're... You're a very slender lady. I don't know how you do it, but either your metabolism is like a Ferrari. <laughs> but you don't seem to have suffered the classic wine trade. No, I, tr- I try not to. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I'm a big lover of outdoors, which is why I love Singapore so much, because um, there's, it's so easy from my front door. 
I can go, I can cycle for 50 kilometres without seeing a car. I have a As swimming pool in the complex. Is it flat? In the complex. Yes, it's oh. very flat. That's why, 50 I, that's why I can cycle. 50 kilometres? <laughs> That's the is that just like a little jaunt for you? Like no, it's not a little jaunt. out for the newspaper or it's something? It's not a little jaunt, but it's something I would always like to cycle a bit at the weekends. And, you know, obviously not every day. I don't have time. But just to keep, keep yourself fit, it's important. You're very driven, though, aren't you? I mean, you're very unassuming. Um, but, you, you know, everything that you seem to do, you don't do it. 50% you do it 110% I do study do it. and I do work, do it 110% so. are you quite are you quite demanding to work with you you seem very docile and friendly and I, I don't know just kind of thinking if I ask the wrong question you say Monty that's such a silly question <laughs> yeah. I would didn't you I, do your research boy no or, I would never I would never do that and particularly not if it was anything to do with wine because I do do a little bit of wine education in Singapore and I always tell everyone quite honestly there is no such thing as a silly question because I just want to share my love of wine and the best way to learn is to ask yeah, my dad was. You said the cleverest kid in the in the class is the one that asked the really dumb question. That's right. It's that's not, not, the, not, that's, having, that's not having probably, any fear. That's probably very true. So your next trip in Italy, where's that going to be? If I give, I'm going to give you an unlimited budget. Yeah. You can go wherever you want, um, and you can choose two regions. So two regions, and why would you cho- choose those two regions? It could be like a micro region like Brunello, or it could be a, a big region like Piemonte or whatever. Okay, well, one I would definitely go to is Sicily, because believe it or not, I've never actually been to Sicily. I, I drink the wines, I taste about it, I've seen the, I've seen the pictures, and, but I've never actually been there. So Sicily would be somewhere that I really, really want to go to. And the other place, uh, funnily enough, very unassuming places, but I'd love to go to Umbria because I have a friend who's now just starting from banking days, who started making wine there. And I would love to go and help them and see what they're doing and see see what we can really make of, of this region. What are they making? Are they making Sagalentino? Or? No, they're just making... I mean, to be honest, they're just doing some, some whites with grisetto in and some reds with a little bit of international varieties, a few local varieties, but that's why I'd like to go and visit and see see what uh, see what can be done there, so... What's the what's the let's go back to the MW thing? If I'm an MW student, one of your new pool of you've got a yeah. sort of mentor. Yep. What is the biggest fear that they've got, and what is the biggest mistake that they sort of make coming into it, the, the program? I think the biggest mistake they make coming into it is to not recognise how much it's going to take over your life, and not realise how much support you need for friends and family. It's it really is almost impossible to to pass it if you don't have the support of your friends and family. So it's you know that that is really really critical. So they you know they'll because the MW itself is a kind of an exam where the people that embark on such a qualification, knowing that the pass rate is so low, they're all driven people. And for the majority of us, myself included, we have never failed a single exam in our life before when we adventure on it. And I mean, I remember when I failed my theory, saying, telling my friends that, no, I hadn't passed it. And everyone asking me, you know, was I ill? Didn't I read the question? Did I turn up to the exam? What happened? You know, there was just this complete disbelief that, 
I could fail anything and it's so real and nearly everybody does fail something at some stage on their journey so that's the that's the biggest thing I think to accept when when you come into the program that there could be failure there's likely to be failure somewhere along the way but perseverance is the most important thing it makes you a better mentor as well and it makes you yeah it does make you a better mentor but I would say even the people who've sadly never passed MW but have been on the program for a little while would agree that it's the most worthwhile thing they've ever done in terms of the group of people you meet the experience the the whole thing so you're mentoring you've got students at the moment that you're mentoring I guess I have got some students there that I'm mentoring so and I always I always have had and I really enjoy that and giving them tasting practices and helping them so it's important. Cool. Anna, it's been really nice to meet you. It's very down to earth. It's been um, very nice to meet you too. And, and um, uh, you're obviously incredibly driven, um, but you, what's nice is you, you're very rounded. Well, and thank that's, you. No, it's just nice. You, you just so really walk in smiling, you're talking, you're smiling, you're going to leave the door smiling. Wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderful to meet you. Well, wonderful so, to meet you too. Seen your name so often. Yeah. And, um, you know, your, your students are very, very lucky to to have you and I'm sure you'll have great success with them. Thank you very much. Really nice to meet you. Thanks, Monty. Listen to all of our pods on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Himalaya FM and on ItalianWinePodcast.com. Don't forget to send your tweets to at Podcast. <laughs>